Hello everyone, my name is Zachary Rodier, and welcome to episode 27 of the Quarantine Hockey HD Podcast. And this is a fantastic episode. We have Phil Pritchard, the keeper of the cup and uh, curator of the Hockey Hall of Fame and vice president of the Resource Center at the Hockey Hall of Fame. Thank you so much to him for coming on. We talk about his time right now awarding the cup to the Stanley Cup champions, the Tampa Bay Lightning, what the day with the cup's like and the celebrations during this COVID-19 pandemic. And he just talks about his job in general, tells me his favorite um, memories and funniest moments during this career, and also shares some facts that you may not know about the Stanley Cup and his career as well. I can't wait for you guys to listen to this episode and this interview after my great interview with Phil. Uh, we get into some NHL news around the Arizona Coyotes, some free agent signings and arbitration, and a little more on everything else. But without further ado, let's get right into this interview with Phil Pritchard, the keeper of the cup of the Hockey Hall of Fame. Enjoy. Today, the Quarantine Hockey HQ podcast is ecstatic and honored to be joined by one of the most important people when it comes to the Stanley Cup in the Hockey Hall of Fame. Born and raised in Oakville, Ontario, today's guest grew up playing hockey and is now one of the most important people when it comes to the Hockey Hall of Fame. He's a keeper of the cup and is the vice president of the Resource Center and curator of the Hockey Hall of Fame. Today's guest has been extremely busy with the Stanley Cup, was in the Edmonton bubble, and is currently waiting uh, for the cup to be engraved in Canada. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the keeper of the cup, Mr. Phil Pritchard. Phil, thank you so much for coming on the show, especially with the craziness you're dealing with. I bet you never thought you would be doing the engraving and the day with the cups during October and November. Uh, So thank you so much for coming on. Oh, Zach, it's my pleasure. And you know, I I, I think for hockey fans, any and they can watch hockey, whether it's in the spring or fall or winter, whenever it is, they're all for it. And, and we can see by this year, uh, the way it worked in the bubble and how the Lightning are celebrating, this year is no different. Yeah, and I'm so excited to talk about all of that. Uh, but before we do, I want to talk about our relationship a little bit. Uh, so as a lot of my listeners know, I was on the day with the Cup uh, during the Stanley Cup Finals in 2017. And I had Mike Bolt on, one of the keeper of the Cubs as well. So thank you so much to, for him to make this work. Um, but I've actually seen you a few other times. And I'm actually going to share my screen. And I know the listeners at home can't hear it. But this is a photo of us at the Columbus All-Star Game. That's uh, my dad, you, Phil, and me. At- All right. It was a funny story here is I've seen the cup many times. I've been to Toronto, seen the Hockey Hall of Fame. So when I was in Columbus, because uh, that's where I live, there was a long line for the Stanley Cup. I didn't want to stand in line, and I went around, and I didn't need to see the Stanley Cup. I just wanted to take a photo with you because of how I <laughs> you are with the Stanley Cup and everything. Uh, so I thought you'd enjoy that photo for sure. Uh, I don't know if you remember that All-Star game too much. Uh, because- oh, yeah. It was great. I mean, it, it, what's amazing out Columbus, it's a great sports town, as everybody knows. Would agree. They've really welcomed hockey into their uh, into their city and being downtown. It's a it's a great atmosphere. Yeah. So there's the photo there. And I've also uh, seen you, I would say, 
six times in the game seven film uh, for the game seven film at the Hockey Hall of Fame. When you come out at the end of the uh, end of the movie with the small Stanley Cup, I see it every time I go. I love that. It's it's a great thing to watch. Uh, tell That's me good. about when you saw when you did that. Yeah, you know what? I, I mean, it, it's pretty amazing for the guests to come into the uh, hall and not only experience the interactives and the displays, to see the movie as well. And yeah, I, I think we've done that uh, Game 7 film pretty unique because it's 3D, yeah. it's slow motion. It's got all the, the scenes of hockey. It's got the hitting, it's got the speed, it's got the finesse. And for guests to come in to see that, I think it's pretty special. It's it's a it's a really well done film, and I, it was fun to be part of. And it was great to bring the cup out at the end for those guys. Uh, they didn't know we would actually do that, so it was, it was unique. And was it? I forget it. I thought it was a smaller version of the cup, or was it the big? We, the smaller version was what they were playing for. But at the very end, we surprised them and walked out on the with the cup at the very end. So and when was it, that filmed? I was filmed in uh, 2015, in the summer of 15. So about five years now in the hall, but it's it's updated. And hey, Zach, it's great you've been so many times to see it in that as well. Yeah, I love going to the Hockey Hall of Fame now. So Phil, being the keeper of the Cups, a very unique job, in addition to being the vice president of the Resource Center and curator of the Hockey Hall of Fame. Tell me about your journey on getting this job and where you are today. Well, it, you know what, I mean, I, like a lot of people, grew up loving the game of hockey. Mm -hmm. uh, I realized at a young age, Zach, that I wasn't going to play professional hockey. But I love statistics. I loved collectibles. So I got, I got into the sports or the business side of sports. And I went to college at a small college outside of Toronto, which had an internship and a, a co-op. And for your listening, listeners out there, to, to get into the profession you want, interning or volunteering, is the best way to go. You, you get to meet people uh, and you make lifelong bonds with them. And in the sporting world, it's a small world. So once you meet them once, you'll run into them again over and over and over again. And I was fortunate. Uh, my intern was at the Ontario Hockey League, which was uh, one of the three leagues that form the Canadian Hockey League. Mm -hmm. So I worked there and, and got uh, eventually got hired on full time. But after about years, my boss there had a had an idea that thought maybe I'd be better off at the Hockey Hall of Fame. At that time, the hall was expanding its role in hockey. It was changing its building, expanding its display cases and that. And it kind of went from there, I guess, I guess in a way. So my love of statistics and collectors, collectibles as a kid, I now get to do it as a profession. So it's, it's great. Uh, I, I think anyone that loves what they do has their best job in the world. And, and I love what I do. So. It, in that sense, we have to work a long time. So you better really love what you're doing. Yep. And besides the collectible part, how, how did you get into being the guy with the white gloves, bringing out in, you know, there's many keepers of the cup, but you're, you're the one that when the champions win it, you walk down that red carpet, you hand out the cup. How did that come to be? You know what? I, I mean, that's funny because it, you mentioned the white gloves and, and everybody thinks the white gloves are a special part of of carrying the cup, but at any museum, all curatorial staff wear white gloves because all our fingerprints have oils on them and they get on the artifacts. So whether it's a art museum or a rock museum or the uh, Ohio State Buckeye Museum, yeah. they all look after them the same way. And, and basically in doing that, we don't 
our fingerprints to get on the artifacts. So we've always worn white gloves at the museum. And when the Stanley Cup kind of was growing in its, its role TV during the final and that became the red carpet, we thought it would be special to, uh, to wear our white gloves to show, it, show people the respect that it deserves. And it, it kind of grew from there. And, and now if I see someone and I don't have white gloves on, they, they think I'm fake or something. I'm not <laughs> sure how it works. Yeah. But I, I mean, it's thrilling to, to carry the Stanley Cup. Every time I do that, it's an honor and uh, it's very special for me. And, it, and it, it creates some great, great moments for people, whether it's the first time seeing the cup or the 50th time, it, it's always special. I would definitely agree with that. Now, before we get into anything else and what you're doing right now, and anything this year or in the past, we're, we're recording this podcast on Halloween, so the 31st of October. And yesterday, the Hockey Hall of Fame announced that there will not be a 2021 induction class since the 2020 induction class of the Hockey Hall of Fame. That induction week will be in 2021. Um, I don't know if you're heavily involved in that decision or anything like that, but anything you know or can say on this news? Yeah, you know, I know. 2020 has been a unique year, not just for sports or hockey, but for everybody. Mm -hmm. There's been a big pause in the world on certain things. And unfortunately for a lot of things, they got postponed and canceled. One of them is the 2020 induction. So although we have our nominees and it's a, it's a great class in 2020, we can't honor them the way they should be. Uh, they are great the game. So we're, we're delaying it a year and in doing so, the 2020 inductees will get inducted in 2021. So it'll be a special class next year. Mm -hmm. And obviously hockey is not the only thing that's doing that. There's a lot of things that are being postponed in that. But I, I, I think at the end of the, the day, Zach, we're, we're honoring our inductees the way they should be in front of their family and friends. In the current situation, we can't do that. They're with their family and friends, but not on the big stage. So we're going to hold off here, and I think it's going to be extra special, and it's going to Fingers crossed, uh, 2021 will be a, a safer and healthier year than 2020. Yep. And now, since there won't be an induction class for 2021, does this mean that the 2022 class will be bigger or it's just skipping a year? Well, I mean, what happens when it comes to your actual selection committee? I mean, they have to get so many votes and all that. So that that's, uh, it's hard to tell right now. We're going to have to wait till that time to see how it comes because... There is a process that has to go through it. So time will tell there, but for now, we're gonna honor the, uh, the inductees next year in a very classy and, and formal way. All right, so now let's move from the future to present day. This year has been extremely different for everyone, but for you, everything is upside down. Instead of presenting the cup and parading in the winning city, which is now Tampa like normal, you had to travel into the bubble, take COVID tests, just present the cup to the Dallas Stars, the Tampa Bay Lightning. It's now the Tampa Bay Lightning, of course. What was your time like in the bubble? How weird was that presentation with no fans in the building? Because, you know, I, you've been doing this for so long that every time the cup comes out, everyone goes crazy, but it just wasn't there this year. How, how was your time in the bubble and how weird was that whole experience? Yeah, you know what I mean, first of all, the, the National Hockey League did an unbelievable job on creating the bubble in both Toronto and Edmonton. And I was part of it in Toronto, but then we flew to Edmonton and, and that's where the final and final were. So I spent almost a month in the bubble in Edmonton. 
and it, it was very unique for for not only the the people that worked it like myself the tv guys and that but obviously there's in the teams as well like dallas and, and tampa but as we got into the final and there's no fans mm-hmm. obviously the, the intensity of the game grew in that sounds to me of this guy skating on the ice and the hitting when you're you're there watching it with no fans and you're at a 20,000 seat arena and there's only maybe 100 people in the whole building yeah the sounds that echo and that it, it's a it's amazing uh but when craig camel and i walked out on the red carpet with the stanley cup uh in late september and presented it to the uh tampa bay lightning through commissioner bettman I think it was pretty special for the players because they had bonded so much over that 65 day period. Mm-hmm. They got to celebrate with their teammates and, and in hockey teammates are such a huge thing. It's an individual sport as we know. So it was very special for them. Obviously there was, there was zoomed in on the big screens and that, uh, so they could see their family and friends. And that oh, too, yeah. But, yeah, and it, it was very special. But what the great thing the lightning did the next day when we flew back to Tampa, we went right to the rink and all the family and friends got to meet right there. And the guys actually skated around the ice with the cup one more time there with their families. Mm-hmm. So that team that was just on the ice grew a bit more. And I, I, to me, it was, it was really special to be part of. It was unique being in the bubble. It wasn't, uh, you didn't have a lot of stores or restaurants or anything to go to. But we were safe. And as you mentioned, we had daily COVID tests, daily temperature checks. Uh, and at the end of it, we were all healthy, all safe. And we got to see a great, great playoffs. Yeah, and it was abs- they, the hockey was great. And one of my favorite things in the whole playoffs was in game one of the Stanley Cup final, right before the game when you brought the cup out. And the cup was just sitting and watching the whole game in front of the this arena. I thought that was amazing that was absolutely you know insane because usually there's fans there and that's one thing that if fans were there you wouldn't have been able to do you're right and and maybe that's a new tradition we've started maybe by bringing the stanley cup out at the beginning of game one and basically that's what you're playing for here's the prize keep your eye on the prize so i mean although there was some tough times during covid and it and heaven forbid we get through it okay there have been some positives, and I, I think bringing the cup out on game one was pretty special. Okay. I know when talking to the players, they, they thought it was great. Yeah. And it was very exciting and very powerful in the rink and that. So what uh-huh. happens next year? And maybe it made them a little nervous too, but maybe it also <laughs> was like, okay, it's go time. Uh, so just like the presentation, the celebration's been very different. How has the Hall of Fame, the NHL, and the Tampa Bay Lightning changed this year's celebrations to make sure – that the team can celebrate properly, but stay safe, but still have the integrity they've always had, especially with the day with the cups. We've heard that most of those will be in Tampa. Now you also don't know when the league's going to start. So what your time frame is to get all the day with the cups in. And so one of my questions is how are you doing this properly and safe? And also how do you make sure that every player still gets the opportunity to have the day with the cup, especially when you don't know when the season's starting. Right. I, I think in your opening comment there, you talked about how, how the, the league and the hall and the Tampa are, are working with safety and all that. And that, and that's the key thing. We're, we're teaming up together to make sure wherever we go, people are safe. So we're social distancing. 
people are wearing masks. Uh, we're cleaning bacteria all the time. But you're right. I mean, at the end of your Stanley Cup champion and their day with the cup is going to be different. And I, I think they understand that, but they also understand that they want their family member to be safe. They want them to be healthy. So although the celebration will be different, it'll be still be a celebration. Uh, as you said, off the top of the show, it's not going to be in July or August this year. Yeah. It's, it's going to be November, December, their celebration. Doesn't matter anyway. Which, which, is, which is okay. I mean, hey, at the end of it, when we look back in 2020, the Tampa Bay Lightning are the Stanley Cup champion, and no one's going to take that away from them. And I think there's one of those guys on that team are proud of that. So the, to confirm, the day with the Cubs are staying in Tampa, correct? Once you well, go that's what they're, they're working on that now. I mean, you see COVID is a fluid, a fluid disease and numbers are going up in some places and numbers are going down. So we look at it daily to see if we can change some things. I mean, in a perfect world, I'll, they would love to take it home to their mom and dad, wherever they're mm -hmm. from. But maybe the perfect world this year is their mom and dad come to Tampa and celebrate with them there. We, yeah. we don't know what that is right now, exact, but we're working about making it as positive experience as they can for them. Uh, and I, I think by getting the Stanley Cup engraved early, so when they do take it to their, wherever they're with their family, their name's going to be on the cup. And I, I think that's pretty special. Yeah. And you're in Toronto or Montreal right now. Cause I know the cup gets engraved in. Yeah. I'm in Toronto right now. Uh, and then after this heading to Montreal and then heading onwards to Tampa. All right. So I uh, caught you on the right day. Uh, Cause the cup is. <laughs> Tampa yeah. um, so also with the January 1st deadline is every player and everyone going to have the opportunity to have a full day uh, since the off season, you know, you're only going to have around two months if the league does start January 1st. Well, it's a, it's a great question is because one thing you have to keep in mind is um, training camp. Yes. So the lightning will have training camp probably about two weeks before regular season starts. So if we use the early January as a starting point, you back up to the middle of December. So, yeah. From today until now, you've got about six weeks to look after everybody. So it will be tight. I mean, there, and again, we go back to, we're going to do best we can for everybody. We're all in this together and together we're going to get through this. I think all the players and, and uh, management understand all that. And let's see what happens. And mm -hmm. who knows, maybe a month from now at the end of November, the world will look a bit different. Uh, well, we definitely hope so. And have when it comes to the health, I've been talking about it a lot, but have you been worried for yourself at this point, uh, coming from Canada where the cases are low to go into Florida? Uh, and, you know, we saw the parade. There were some videos of like random fans sipping from the cup, unless there's something that people are seeing that maybe they were family members or something like that. Have you been worried at all for yourself at any point? Well, I, I think I'm like everyone else. We, we have COVID in the back of our mind. We know about it. We're doing everything uh, positive. We're, we're using common sense, I think, most of all. We're washing our hands, mm -hmm. keeping the bacteria to a minimum. Washing we're the wearing our mask wherever we can. We're social distancing. And I think if everybody does that, we're, we're all okay. The players all understand it. They're, they're, their uh, wives or their girlfriends or their kids or parents, they all understand it. So we're, like I said, all in this together. We all work together. But at the end, it's common sense that's, that's going to make us all uh, safe and healthy. 
and we washing the cup 20 for 20 seconds uh, as well, or how, how's that working? Yeah, so it's funny you mentioned about the cup because we've added another cup to clean, uh, step to clean in the cup now. First of all, we're gonna kill the bacteria that's on the cup, and then we're gonna clean the bacteria off of it. So usually we're, we're cleaning the cup, but now we're just, we're gonna add the sanitizing pro process in there. Yeah. It's gonna kill the bacteria, then we're gonna clean the bacteria. So it takes a bit longer than 20 seconds, but at the end of it, we wanna make sure it's clean and everybody that's near it is safe. And one of the reasons I asked you about the 20 seconds is because when I talked to Mike, uh, he was one of our first interviews. He said one of the best ways to clean the cup is just soap and water, uh, just like everyone else's hands. So um, one of the special moments um, is the day with the cup. Like I said, how has the, in but with every day with the cup, there's the engraving like you were talking about. Is that any different this year as well, or it's, it's going smoothly? Well, in, in Montreal, as you, we talked about earlier, where the cup gets engraved, and uh, we're gonna connect with that later on today, hopefully. Uh, Montreal is in a, a phase one situation now like the rest of the province of Quebec on COVID. So a lot of the things are closed down. But the silversmith is a, it's a private silversmith. It's not open to the public. So she's able to actually probably do her work just like normal. Mm -hmm. uh, it's usually by herself and she has gloves on and because she, engraving and that she's very careful on what she's doing and, and common sense there too. So in that case, it, it's, it's very similar. I think the biggest difference for her is, and, and Louise Saint-Jacques is the lady that engraves it. The biggest difference for her though, is when we're done, we're going to start basically the celebration. Usually when she's finished engraving, we're about to start the new seasons. Yeah. The timing is a bit different, but the engraving process is the exact same. And I think at the end result, when the guys see their names on it for their first time with their loved ones or their family or friends, it's going to be pretty special. Yeah, and I think that's a, it's a pretty special this year because they'll get to celebrate it with their names on it, which I, so think, true. Which I think is really, really cool. Um, yeah, I, I think that's a, maybe, again, maybe that's another tradition that's, that starts differently too. Uh, because You're, I, you're right. And I, I think that's what a lot of people need to remember is, is we're, we're in difficult times right now, but we're, we're making it work and we're doing some adjustments and maybe those adjustments are smart adjustments and they'll help us down the road. Yeah, and one question I had is, I never thought about it until just now, the cup is huge. And I, I can't, like when, they, when Mike gave it to me, I couldn't carry it by myself. And I, I'm sure he didn't want to give it to me all by myself because I, 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 you didn't want that on national television, I mean, dropping the cup. Um, but when they engrave it, is it they take that specific ring off or they engrave it, the whole cup, fully intact? They uh, actually take the rings off, the bands at the bottom, okay, and then they put it on a bevel and they basically, it's not really an engraving process, it's a stamping process more than anything. So if they were stamping your name on it, Zach, they would do the, the first letter, then the second letter, then the C, then the H, then the A, and, and so on. So each letter gets hand stamped and, and that process takes time and it, it takes a specific skill in that, which uh, I mean, this, this most of the silversmiths have. So, and it looks beautiful when it's done. It's shiny, it's clean, the names are on it. I think it'd be pretty special when the guys see it. Yeah. And I mean, when you were talking about engraving my name on the cup, uh, I'd love that, but I don't think that will ever happen <laughs> unless I get, you I never know. 
I never know, but um, it's been it's been such a surreal honor to walk out for the cup. Like I said on that red carpet, the cups just shined and presented to the winner of the playoffs. How special is that moment to you every year? And are there any years that, like when I'm talking to you right now, you can just close your eyes and it feels like it's yesterday that specifically stand out to you? Because how many years have from this time when you gave it to the Tampa Bay Lightning, how many years has it been since your first time you walked out? So I've been traveling with the cup now for 32 years. Wow. Uh, I, I, every time is special, Zach, because to be part of the greatest game in the world is, is such an honor. Mm-hmm. And it sends chills up my spine every time I walk on the carpet. The red carpet wasn't always part of the ceremony. That didn't start till 1994, though, with the yeah. New York Rangers and Vancouver Canucks. Prior to that, we used to uh, bring the cup out during a TV timeout or a commercial. But for me, game sevens are always very unique. We had one last year with Boston and St. Louis. Mm-hmm. And they're always special because you know the cup is going to be won that night. doesn't matter who's going to win. Someone will win the cup that night. And that's always special. But like I said, I mean, this year it was in, in game six, and it was, it was really special to be part of it without fans and to celebrate with the Tampa Bay Lightning. Uh, Hey, they're a Stanley Cup champion, and to have a small role in it, I, I'm very honored. And what is it like, um, you know, in a game five, a team can win it, and you're going into overtime, and you're like, is it going to happen? Is it going to happen? Is this the night? Is this the night? You're just waiting around, and then I think, and then it's midnight, and the other team scores, and you're going to a game six. What's that waiting uh, like? I guess it's different for everybody because – Obviously, the two teams that are playing, one team could win the cup and the other team could force another game. So they have two different thoughts. The TV crew has thoughts in that. I mean, for, for Craig and myself this year, it happened in game five. And I, I, it did go into overtime. As soon as it happened, we had to pack the Stanley Cup in and get out of the building. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there was – the Stars did leave prevail and – live for another game but I, I think it's there's lots of emotions that go on there because you're you could have a Stanley Cup moment there mm-hmm. but in the case of this year Dallas did not want the Stanley Cup there I mean they were trying to force it onwards and so on so you see all different emotions I, I think most of all there's a whole bunch of powerful emotions going on by a lot of different people to, to see it all happen and to be part of it. And for your sake, I'm glad it wasn't the five overtime game between the Blue Jackets. <laughs> uh, yeah, that, that seemed a long time ago now, didn't it? And, I, and as a fan, because I was cheering for the Blue Jackets, I'm honest with my viewers, I, I'm a Blue Jackets fan. I mean, luckily that started at uh, 3 o'clock in the afternoon. Uh, yeah. so with so many cups, so many parades and locker room celebrations, you've seen it all, I'm sure. <laughs> There's been crazy babies in the cups, so many different things. What have been some of the funniest, craziest, weirdest moments you've witnessed? And who have been some of the best players to follow? We've seen the summer of Ovi and different things like that. And we saw the boat parade and all of that as well. So what are some of the best, funniest moments? And as I said to Mike, that you can share. Right. Well, I, I think for me, Zach, every time I get to go to a new country, and, and see and get educated on their culture, it's, it's very special. 
Uh, probably the most recent one we did that was with Ansi Kobotar of uh, Los Angeles Kings. He's a Slovenian, the only Slovenian in the National Hockey League. Mm -hmm. But to take it back to his home country and ultimately his hometown, it was it was very special and he was very honored. And he was, I, I think we were just as honored to be part of it as his he was to to bring it back. So every time we do that, whether it's Slovenia or Finland or Sweden or Russia for the first time in 1997, are the, the ones for me that really show how magnificent the sport of hockey is because it's played around the world now and it's it's played in over 90 countries. And to have a player come from that country and play in arguably the greatest league in the world in the NHL and win sports greatest trophy and bring it home, that's that's huge. And uh, just to play a little role, like I said earlier, to see their culture, see their ex experience, their foods and their drinks and that, but meet the family and the people that love the game is, is always special. And before we get to the hard, the last hard question, um, I want you to share something hockey fans may not know about the cup or about your job. Like how many white gloves you go through a year or, or the, tra the travel aspect. Uh, share a few things that uh, hockey fans may not know about your job in the Stanley Cup. Uh, well, I, mean, I guess there's a couple of things. I mean, I have uh, sent my wife a postcard from every place I've ever been. And she has 30, about 3,500 postcards wow. in our collection of everywhere I've traveled. So they probably don't know about that. Also, the fact that nowhere on the trophy does it say the Stanley Cup because that's not its official name. Mm -hmm. It's the Dominion Challenge Hockey Cup, which was donated by Lord Stanley. So, I mean, that's a, a unique trivia question, but the Stanley Cup has become its nickname and over the years, and I mean, now at three feet high and almost 37 pounds, it's, it's one of the world's greatest trophies. So, I mean, there's a couple of neat stories about the cup that people might, might not know. And uh, but what about those gloves? You you have custom shaped gloves uh, to your hand. <laughs> I have I have the gloves. Uh, I mean, they have our logos on them and that. And I've uh, funny Zach. I've kept every pair of white gloves that I have ever worn. I have them at home. Uh, they're filling up my drawers at home now. Yeah. And I, I guess one day they're they're part of hockey history. I'm not sure what role they'll play, but they are part of hockey history. How many are we talking from your whole? All your years, o over uh, over two hundred. You think you have? Uh, yeah, probably pretty close to two hundred. Yeah, I, I I would say go through. Well, this year is kind of different, but during a normal summer, it'd be go through one pair of week, for sure. So there's pairs right off the bat every year. Yeah. And so yeah, I, I mean, you're probably right with your number. Uh, again, it, it it I guess it plays a role in the in the story of hockey. Yeah. And so now for the hard question, because of everything that you've gone through and so many memories, if you could choose one or I'll, I'll let you choose two if you, if you need it, what have been to cap everything off the, the most memorable moment you've ever had with the Stanley cup. And I said, it's hard because there's probably so many. It, it is, it is hard. Uh, I mean, a, a couple of things come to mind every year when we present that red car, we present the cup on the red carpet and Craig and I walk along that. I think that's pretty special because a new chapter in the life of the Stanley Cup is about to happen and we're yeah. going to be part of it. So that's always memorable. This year, uh, when Tampa won, actually, and this is a good one, when we landed in Tampa and the guys came off the plane and their family 
members were waiting there for them, how they ran up to the players to see them because they hadn't seen them in almost three months. Yeah, That was very powerful for me. And, and to me, I, I think that sums up the Tampa Bay Lightning organization is they're a team, not just the guys on the ice, but the families and their friends and all of that. So that, that was pretty special to me as well. Uh, I, I think the first time the guys see their names with their cut name engraved on the cup is always unique to be part of that. And, and to see the guy, the smiles on their face that they've achieved mm-hmm. what they want to aim for when they were started playing hockey to win the Stanley cup and hoist it and have their name on. That's a pretty special moment as well. And well, they're, they're going to see it tomorrow. Uh, they will see it soon. Yeah. It's uh, so, so exciting. And I'm so glad I was able to catch you uh, in Toronto before everything went crazy again. So Phil, thank you so much uh, for coming on. I really appreciate it. Uh, I I'm down uh, enjoying the sun. So you'll come down too after I mean, I'm sure the weather's great in Toronto, but you'll, you can uh, go, go uh, get in the sun a little in Tampa. So uh, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, do you have anything else to add? Zach, I, I, I want to thank you for the time and, and uh, be safe out there. And hey, before we know it, the hockey season will be upon us and we'll see another chapter in the life of the Stanley Cup. I can't wait. Thank you so much. All right. I hope you enjoyed that fantastic interview with Phil Pritchard, the Keeper of the Cup and of the Hockey Hall of Fame. And as I'm recording this news segment, Phil is now in Tampa Bay, Baca, and the Cup is beautiful with the Tampa Bay Lightning's names on it. And uh, you can look at those pictures on our Twitter or on any social media platform. Um, It just looks great. And you know, I, I was telling Phil, this is absolutely fantastic that players are now going to be able to celebrate with the cup with their names on it, uh, as opposed to some other years. So this is absolutely amazing. I love it. And uh, once again, thank you so much to Phil Pritchard for coming on the podcast. I hope you, the listeners, enjoyed that one. And also thank you to Mike Bolt, uh, who awarded me the Stanley Cup uh, during my day with the cup in 2017 during the Stanley Cup Finals uh, with Discover Card. Um, I really enjoyed that um, interview, and thank you, Mike, uh, for making this possible and making this connection. Uh, So it was absolutely a great interview. Again, I hope you guys enjoyed it. But without further ado, let's get into the NHL news. And I just want to touch up on one thing that I did talk about with Phil. Um, He commented on it as well. But the Hockey Hall of Fame indeed is delaying inductions to November 2021. So they're delaying their 2020 inductions to November 2021. Um, And that includes Marion Hossa, Jerome McGinley, Kevin Lowe, Doug Wilson, and Kim St. Pierre, and Ken Holland. Uh, So it will now be scheduled for November. around November, mid-November in Toronto next year. And that does mean um, that the Hockey Hall of Fame will not be having a 2021 induction class. Uh, So again, uh, like I said with Phil, 2022 will be the next induction class. And he didn't say, um, he, he he didn't comment on whether 
we would have a a bigger 22 class a 2022 class um but we'll see if that happens um before we get into you know what let's get into the free agent signings and everything else before we get into um the Mitchell Miller situation in Arizona. So since I last talked to you guys, uh, Chris Tyranny, uh, October 26th, uh, he signed with the Ottawa Senators. He was an RFA. He signed $2 million in three point, uh, two years at $3.5 million per year. Uh, Joe Hosang, RFA, he signed one-year financial terms were not disclosed on this deal. Devin Tays, he was traded from the New York Islanders to the Colorado Avalanche. And he signed with the Avalanche for four years, $4.1 million per year on this deal. A pretty decent signing for the Colorado Avalanche. Taze is a, a pretty good defensive guy, and I can't wait to see what he does in the future. Tyler Bertuzzi uh, with the Detroit Red Wings. This was arbitration. Uh, which can get in a sticky situation. Um, but arbitration awarded Tyler Bertuzzi one year at $3.5 million. The Carolina Hurricanes signed Hayden Fleury, defenseman RFA, for two years, $1.3 million per year. And, you know, we've heard this guy's name go to many teams. He's had slumps recently. Alex Galchenyuk uh, for the... Ottawa Senators, he signed with them. He was a UFA, $1 million, $1.05 million per year uh, for that just that one year. So he's looking to get his career back on track and up the ante next year when his next deal, whichever team he decides to sign with. Now, Victor Olofsson, RFA, two years, uh, $3.05 million per year with the Buffalo Sabres. Ryan McInnes, RFA, one-year financial terms. Were not disclosed. Ryan McInnes in the Columbus Blue Jackets. Michael Hutchinson, Hutchinson, RFA. He signed. He was a UFA. Excuse me. He signed with the Toronto Maple Leafs. Two years, seven hundred and twenty-five thousand dollars per year on that one. And Joey Anderson signed with the Toronto Maple Leafs. Three years, seven hundred and fifty thousand dollars per year. And one I did miss. Excuse me. I. Me, I don't believe I talked about this in my last podcast. Uh, if I did, excuse me for repeating this, but Dennis Gurionov, he signed with the uh, Dallas Stars, RFA, two years, $2.55 million per year. Um, without these playoffs, he would have been making a lot less, but he had an absolutely amazing playoffs with the Dallas Stars. So great for them to get that deal. And good for Gurionov. Um, to get that good amount of money. Um, but those are all of the free agent signings uh, so far after this week. Let's get into some more serious news now. So there were allegations against former general manager of the Florida Panthers. And this one was, he, like I said, he was the general manager. Um against uh panthers gm talon um dale talon uh it was there was anonymous report that he made inappropriate racial religious and ethnic comments while serving as the general manager of the florida panthers um 
He had used racially derogatory language while the team was in the Toronto secured zone during the first week of August and had made openly racial, religious, and ethnic comments openly in the past. The same day the NHL received the anonymous report about talent, the NHL retained Seyfarth Shah LLP to conduct a full confidential investigation. Among other steps, Seyfarth interviewed a dozen individuals in the Panthers organization, reviewed all information made available from representatives of the source through which the anonymous report was made. The allegations were neither corroborated or sustained and are inconsistent with Talon's past actions and his affirmative efforts in support of diversity and inclusion initiatives. As a result, based on the investigation, the NHL has further concluded that there has been no established violation of NHL policy or protocols. The NHL says they will have no further comment on this matter. In sad news, Travis Roy, uh, who died from complications from his um, from his paralysis uh, on Thursday. He died uh, 25 years uh, to the month after he sustained a serious spinal cord injury 11 seconds into his college hockey career at Boston University. He died at 45 years old. Roy, who was paralyzed from the neck down, had dedicated his life to those with spinal cord injuries to help improve their lives through the Travis Roy Foundation. He was a fundraiser and advocate, personally touching others who suffered injuries like his, especially hockey players like Denerit Lang and Jag Shevelinsky. The Boston University said it's with heavy hearts we mourn the passing of Travis Roy. His story is that is inspiration and courage and he was a role model and hero to so many people uh starting with a golf tournament put on the, by boston bruins great bobby orr when orr was still in college uh roy was embarked on a speaking and fundraising career that would help countless people from his connection to those facing spinal cord injuries through this foundation his foundation has awarded more than $4.7 million in research grants, along with grants to survivors of injuries. Um, and he also, in hockey, he was in Edmonton all the time. And, you know, this is a guy that knew a lot of the hockey players, was in the locker room a lot in Edmonton. Players learned to love him. And a lot of the hockey players, Wayne Gretzky, Connor McDavid, Sam Gagne, uh, they've all reached out uh, to their family and are definitely mourning his life. And uh, everyone will definitely remember uh, Travis Roy. Um, in other news, the Seattle Kraken said they are in no rush to name a head coach. And that is all the other news this week before we get into the final situation that I wanted to tell you guys about. Um, This one is a tough one to talk about. Um, It's a tough one to read when I was reading these articles. Um, So bear with me here. Um, But I'm going to give you guys the best perspective and and explain it all for you. Um, But of course, I encourage you to read the athletics article in the Arizona. Um, they, one of, an Arizona magazine or newspaper also wrote 
a report on this in addition to TSN Sportsnet and all of them. So I definitely encourage you uh, to listen to, to, to their articles and read those as well to get a full perspective. But in the fourth round, the Arizona Coyotes drafted Mitchell Miller. Um, and this was the Arizona Coyotes' first pick in the draft. Um, they didn't have a first-round pick. They traded that away. They didn't have a second-round pick because they were testing players beforehand and the NHL took it away. They didn't have a third-round pick, and this was their fourth-round pick, Mitchell Miller. Now, just for some perspective, we know uh, Chaika, former GM of the Arizona Coyotes, he left, and the Arizona Coyotes brought in GM Bill Armstrong in. But because Armstrong was already working with the St. Louis Blues, he was the assistant GM of the St. Louis Blues, he was working on their draft. Bill Armstrong was not allowed to partake in the draft. So he did not have charge of who the Arizona Coyotes selected. And though other people lower down, scouts and people in the amateur scouting um, field for the Arizona Coyotes made this pick. And... You're probably like, why Why are we talking about this? In, I believe, eighth grade, um, Mitchell Miller uh, was consistently bullying um, a classmate uh, with another kid, uh, one of, his, one of uh, Miller's friends, and his name was Isaiah, and I'm not going to go into fool because, you know, if this happened to someone else or, you know, I, I don't know if, he would want the name to keep on getting repeated and repeated um, because he is a victim of the situation. But Miller, there were different very various uh, occasions where Miller was bullying uh, him. Uh, he was a black student uh, that he was bullying. Uh, he was also mentally disabled. And this student um, report said that his mental capacity was around as a 10-year-old uh, so he was mentally disabled as well. Um, and Miller bullied him, called him racial slurs, um, abused him. Uh, there's accounts that um, the victim's mom says that he was, that Miller continuously banged um, the student's head on the wall and smashed his head and smashed his head. Um, there's also, there's also accounts that and again, if, if this is very tough for you to listen, um, please skip ahead. Um, but there's also accounts where horrible accounts, um, and he was convicted, Mitchell Miller was convicted in, um, in Ohio uh, in a juvenile court um, for, for bullying and abuse. He, there was an account, and it was proven guilty that they put a candy push pop in a urinal and forced um, Isaiah to, to put it in his mouth, um, just horrible, horrible things that are happening. And the NHL and every team knew about this before the draft. And I know this is an eighth grade, but this is, this is serious. Uh, he was convicted in juvenile court. Um, the other student who was convicted as well, has formally apologized to the student, um, and the student has forgiven them. Miller, on the other hand, never reached out. 
he there were reports and the mother says that he continuously um drove by or roller skated by the student's house even after he was convicted and was told to stay away from him um and he never apologized and he never sent a letter or and never had any remorse now the nhl um and every nhl club all 31 clubs received a letter from mitchell miller before the draft uh stating that he was sorry and trying to clean up the situation so every nhl team knew about this um according to the athletic a lot of teams just wiped uh, said we're not we're not uh we're not going to even consider uh, drafting uh, Miller. Uh, we're not going to take him because of what he did. The Arizona Coyotes uh, decided to take him and draft him. And there was uproar on Twitter and on social media. And three or four days later, uh, after this report came out, the Arizona Coyotes have relinquished his rights. Uh, the University of North Dakota, who he was going to be playing with, uh, this year as a freshman, they have um, kicked him off the program. Uh, he may now be playing in the KHL, um, but the NHL, they haven't made an official statement, but the Arizona Coyotes said, we don't want anything to do with that. We've learned new information since we drafted him. Um, and I think what the problem is with everyone and what everyone's saying is, that yes, everyone deserves a check- second chance, but in order to get that second chance, he has to actually feel sorry and and feel remorse. And people are saying, and a lot of reporters and NHL scouts, they're saying he wrote a letter to the 31 clubs saying that he was sorry, but he never sent a letter or apologized to the to the victim. And that's what I think the all the clubs and a lot of fans are having trouble with um, when it comes to that. And, you know, I, I don't know if he'll ever have the chance to play in the NHL, um, but those are just things that are very, very hard uh, to happen. Uh, you, it's, it's a very, very sad, sad uh, thing that happened to the student and the victim. Uh, and, you know, it's just, it's just horrible to hear about. Uh, you never want anything to happen. And, you know, the Arizona Coyotes... The Arizona Coyotes just, you know, I, I don't know why they, they drafted him in the first place. They knew this was going to come out eventually. They they originally said they were willing to work with him to help him get past it and, and work towards diversity uh, with him. Um, but now they just totally backtracked on what they said and said, we want nothing to do with him. Uh, so, you know, bad luck for the Arizona Coyotes, especially after they lost their draft picks as well. Um because they were essentially cheating and were testing draft picks and and draft prospects before the draft and before the NHL Combine, which never happened anyway. Uh, so that's technically, it is cheating. Uh, so they haven't had some, they, their organization hasn't looked and their management hasn't looked great um, over the past few months. So definitely not a great look for them. And, you know, I just hope that the victim and every, and the student and, and their family are just moving past this and, 
able to recover from this and I wish them all the best and you know I'm just uh I know this can be a very tough subject to listen to um but I I want to explain this news to everyone and make sure everyone knew what was going on um because if you're just seeing this name and and seeing these statements and didn't know what was going on I, I just want to explain that all uh for you um but you know, it's very unfortunate, but that is all the NHL news this week, and hopefully we will get a lot more positive news next week. Uh, you know, I loved this interview with Phil, and this is NHL news that I had to talk about, um, but hopefully we get some great, great news uh, next week and positive news um, that we can talk about next week. Uh, but uh, that is all the NHL news we have this week, and uh, I can't wait to talk about it. Uh, talk about more NHL news. Mike Hoffman is a UFA still. Uh, he is still looking for the right team to sign him. Uh, can't wait to see what develops in the future. And let's get right into the outro. I hope you enjoyed that fantastic interview with Phil Pritchard, the keeper of the cup. Once again, thank you so much, Phil, for coming on. And I hope you enjoyed the NHL news segment as well. Hopefully we'll have some more news Um when the NHL is going to start and things like that next week. I can't wait to continue breaking down all the NHL news and bring you great interviews in the future. Um, Make sure you follow us on social media to please uh, give us that support on Twitter at HockeyHQPodcast, Instagram and Facebook at QuarantineHockeyHQ. Please, please, please share this uh, with as many people as you can. Um, Every listen and every share means so much. To me uh, and every pe- person that is interviewing on this podcast. So thank you so much to everyone for their support. Um, my name is Zachary Rodier. Thank you so much for listening and we'll catch you next week on Quarantine Hockey HQ. Thanks.